Welcome to the show, Gold Squadron Gaze. It's the podcast where Charles takes over for several weeks to do Legends, because there's SAG After Strike still on, and also he can. I'm your host, Charles Rogers. My pronouns are he, him. And with me are some guests. Catherine, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself first? Yeah. Hi, my name's Catherine. My pronouns are she and her, and I don't know what are just to say about ourselves <laughs> other than that. Well, well, we'll get into who you are in a minute, but before we get into who okay. you are, because okay. I, I want you to talk about that, our yeah. second guest, uh, if they could introduce themselves. Uh, my name is Andy. My pronouns are a secret. You have to you have to answer three riddles to find out my pronouns, or listen to other episodes of Gold Squadron and Gaze. Or listen to the pronouns that I just called you. And Andy, if you'll remember from our Revenge of the Sith episode, is one of the co-hosts of the Force Friends Rewatch podcast. The other co-host, Ryan, was just on an episode with me talking about Death Star. And I actually... I haven't listened to that yet. Did he plug our podcast? Because he never fucking plugs the podcast. He he did. Oh, good. Good. I'm proud, Ryan. I'm so happy for you. Somebody did. Well, to be fair, Ryan and I spent an inordinate amount of time talking about a little event called Legends Con. Mm. Uh, Catherine, now we're, we're bringing that pin back out of the grenade there... Uh, do you want to tell us who you are and what capacity I know you and talk a little yeah. bit about Legends Con in case people didn't tune into the Ryan episode? Yeah, so I am the executive director for Legends Con, which is a fan-run Star Wars Expanded Universe, also known now as Legends Convention. We did it three weeks ago. Um, it both feels like yesterday and like a year ago. Um, in Burbank, California, we had about 500-ish people there, um, 16 authors and other artists, other creative types who worked on Star Wars Legends books, comics, etc. Tons of fun. That is where I met Charles because we were... I From the beginning, we've been planning to do a panel that was like going over all of the queer characters in Star Wars Legends and, and I was getting so busy that I wasn't going to have time to put it together and I said something about that to Ryan and Ryan said, wait, no, don't cancel it yet. Um, and that's how I met Charles. Yeah, Ryan reached out to me because I, I purchased my tickets and then I reached out to Ryan and I said, hey, just FYI, I know you're going to be at this con. I'm going to be at this con. Let's link up when we're there because I had never met Ryan in person. And Ryan comes out because, do you want to be on a panel? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. So it was me, it was uh, Catherine, and a surprise third guest who appeared at the yeah. last minute. <laughs> Uh, Abel Pena, yes. uh, a Star Wars author, sat on that panel. And that was a great time. Uh, we did cover the vast majority of queer characters from Legends, which was exciting. I overall, like, I had a great time. I'm, Catherine has listened to the episode I recorded with Ryan, which was like two days later, which was just the two of us gushing about Legends Con. Uh, and you guys had, you guys had a bunch of different panels. You guys had a bunch of different booths, a bunch of different vendors. The Rebel Legion was there, 501st was there, Mandalorian Mercs are there. I'm sure I'm forgetting some cosplayers. Yeah, uh, yeah, Saber Guild, Dark Empire, and did you say Dragon? Builders, Droid Builders were there too. Droid Builders um, were there. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, and like you said, so many panels. Oh my gosh. Like it's when you have the 16 guests that we had, which included Randy Stradley, Matthew Stover, Michael Stackpole, uh, Henry Gilroy, Jason Fry, like oh my god, Barbara Hambly, like all of these amazing people. Yeah, Andy, you have to come next year. Um you, you like, have you have to come is, to the next one. I want to. 
but like Jason Fry, especially, he just like started coming up with panel ideas and yeah, like it, it was crazy trying to put the panel schedule together just because there were so many good things and like, there was no way to deconflict like stuff. And it just, yeah, there was, there were so many good panels and we recorded the vast majority of things. We are still, that is of course going to take us a while to like get that ready to be published, but yeah, keep an eye on the internet for that stuff to come out. And keep your ear on this podcast feed because they, we might be uh, letting y'all know when those panels, because I do want people to pay attention to me. I am a gay man, so I do like people paying attention to me at all times. I will say that LegendsCon has ruined my relationship with Ryan, my co-host, because we were going to have to take a hiatus for it. And I said that was fine as long as he kidnapped Matthew Stover and put him in a giant birdcage until he wrote a novelization for Rise of Skywalker. Because I think that is the thing that would make me change my tune on certain movies, which we don't need to get into here, but Matthew Stover was not kidnapped. He was not placed inside a giant bird cage, and he has not written a novelization for Rise of Skywalker. So Ryan and I aren't talking anymore. Yeah, well, I, I will say that while he did not kidnap him for you, he did very, in the most Ryan way possible, he had to kick him out of the party at the end of the night because the people from the venue were like circling and it was, you know, like we were going to be keeping them away from, you mm -hmm. know, ending their shift and whatnot. So Matthew Stover partied hard. Did I <laughs> tell you what happened at the Luke Skywalker panel with Stover and the other authors? No, I, I, got, I got some other behind the scenes stories from Ryan, which I'm not going to talk about on mic, which were very entertaining, but I did not hear this one. I, I also have no, a few no, this, that this I did not talk about this, on this mic. This yeah. was like the panel. Mm -hmm. No, I haven't heard it. No, this, this was on the panel. This isn't behind the scenes at all. So the, one of the panels that I think it was Michael Coggy. Yes, it was Michael Coggy who proposed this one was the many lives of Luke Skywalker. Just talking about Luke within the expanded universe. Somebody, I think it was an audience question asked like what their favorite moment, like Luke moment is like overall. And I don't remember what it was because I was not at this panel because I was running around crazily, but it was something. Oh no, I do remember what it was. What Matthew Stover said his favorite moment was, was from my <laughs> least favorite Star Wars movie, which again, we don't need to get into it. But The Last Jedi, where where like Luke just looks at Kylo, like, did you really think I was going to fight you like here, mm. like for real? So I I think you're I think you're onto something there. I think I think yeah. that. I, I, I think we all need more Matthew Stover Star Wars novelizations of movies in, in our lives. Uh, yeah, none none of them have hit in the way that Revenge of the Sith has hit. No, uh, no, and I, I did listen to your episode with about Revenge of the Sith, and then also the one in, in the one following that, Charles, where you told Ryan that you'd just given the book a tongue bath. I can very much agree with that. That is what you had done. That is what that, you had done. That is what Andy and I did. Like, yeah. It, I mean, fairness. I was listening to it, and it like everything you were saying was true. Like I was laughing listening to it. Cause, like, yeah. it's, it's true. It's none of it's false, but it, it yeah. Well, Amazing. instead of instead of getting into to very contentious yes. films. Although I feel like if if this were going to be a sequel trilogy episode, it would be an extremely bloody episode. We're not gonna do that. <laughs> no, I I I I respect all of 
Catherine's uh, opinions on The Last Jedi, even if I don't personally feel the same way. Instead of doing that, so Outbound Flight, which we did last week, or I did with Colton Mason from For Light and Dice, that was supposed to be our last Legends episode. It was going to be three books that I had 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 some impact on me in my formulative years reading the Expanded Universe. So they were Revenge of the Sith, Death Star, and Outbound Flight. And then Catherine came to me and pitched this episode. And I thought, well, that's interesting because we just did three books I know really well. And this is an area I I discovered I don't know very well. So we're going to talk about some of the sort of middle grade young reader novels, but we're going to do it by focusing on a specific character because these novels kind of have their own little universe contained into them. And the character we are going to focus on, or rather they're going to focus on because I'm still learning things about this. I haven't read a lot of these novels. Is a gentleman named Ferris Olin. Before we get into Ferris Olin, would y'all like some additional information about the writers of the three series we're going to talk about? What if I said no? <laughs> well, if you said I, no, I, I, I would I keep want to going hear anyway. About the third author. <laughs> I, I, I would. I, I think we all want information about the author of the we third do. series. Like that, that is answers that the internet is very much wanting. So yes, please enlighten us, Charles. So the three series that we're going to walk through today in the journey of the life of one Ferris Lynn, disaster millennial homosexual, are Jedi Quest. Absolutely. Canonically. <laughs> canonically. Jedi Quest, Last of the Jedi, and Rebel Force. Jedi Quest and Last of the Jedi are written by a woman whose real name is Judy Blundell, but wrote under the pseudonym of Jude Watson. Jude Watson, who I'm going to be referring to as Jude Watson for the remainder of the episode because that's the pen name under which she wrote the books. Jude Watson wrote just a fuckload of these Star Wars. An insane amount. Like, I cannot overstress that if you walked into a Barnes and Noble between 1999 and 2008, you were guaranteed to find multiple copies of these books. Shelves. Shelves of these books. Uh, she wrote three series, Jedi Apprentice, which is Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, so their journey. Jedi Quest, which was the sort of sequel series, uh, which was about Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. We're not going to talk about what Last of the Jedi is about until we get there. I will interrupt you right here. She also wrote weird between novels that were like hardcover. They were her own hardcover books and the first half would be about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan or like young adult Obi-Wan and then the back half was about uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin. Sometimes yeah, we got young Qui-Gon too in them. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we did get young Qui-Gon and Dooku also. Yeah. Yeah, the young Dooku one was fascinating because it's it, just like that that motherfucker as a small child is very interesting. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't yeah. that get referenced in Revenge of the Sith, the novelization? I'm pretty sure the incident, oh. like some incident. Oh, with, yeah, I, I believe it gets yeah, referenced. He, he like finds a holocron that he's not supposed to. Uh, but like those hardcover books ruled. And I just love that like. You could not stop Jude Watson. Like she was going to pump out a million Star Wars books every year. I and think, also they were I good. Think she, I think she actually has the record for most published Star Wars books. I I don't I don't know if she's written the most Star Wars in terms of like word count, but as far as I know, she has published the most because there's in addition to these series and the between books, she also did a bunch of tie-in novels for episode one and mm -hmm. then like a bunch of like random like science adventure like books as well. Yeah, it's it's like close to a hundred books that she wrote for Star Wars. <laughs> 
she has definitely written the most of Obi-Wan's life than anyone else. Like, she wrote Obi-Wan from 12 to, like, old man Kenobi. Like, yes. uh, ad- Additionally, I will shout out that she, she does have some original series, mostly published under Jude Watson, some under Judy Blundell. And these include Brides of Wildcat County, The Sight, and 39, The 39 Clues. Now, the other series that we're going to talk about right at the end is a series called Rebel Force. Rebel Force was written by someone going by the name of Alex Wheeler, which is a bizarre continuation of Jude Watson's work. Alex Wheeler does not seem to exist. There is nothing else that I can find about this Alex Wheeler. It's a fairly unisex name, so I couldn't even definitively tell you the gender of Alex Wheeler. Just pseudonym that these were written under. I have no idea who wrote these. Now, according to Wikipedia, Alex Wheeler and Jude Watson are separate individuals. However, Catherine, I think you have some conspiracy theories for us. I do. I do, because it's like, and this specifically, like, part of this conspiracy gets into what we're talking about of the nature of Ferris Olin and his relationship with Rowan Lands, because there's things that are in the Rebel Force books that, like, it's a continuation of the it's only subtext if you haven't read the other books. If you've read the other books, it's plain text, just because of the way that, like, characters are talking to each other. And at one point, Pablo Hidalgo tweeted that that some like somebody asked like who the heck is Alex Wheeler and Pablo said oh yeah that's that's Jude Watson and then somebody asked Jude Watson and she said no that's not me so if, if it's not her the person either like tricked Pablo like well read well maybe Pablo's just misremembering you know like there's so uh, many things yeah. going on. like I would sure. not fall for you know but let's say it is a separate person they must have gone through all of Jedi Apprentice Jedi Quest Last of the Jedi and like taken notes because it's a bunch of the same characters who are popping up again except it's this is the the, the Rebel Force books take place like basically right after the events of A New Hope so it's all of these characters that are from like the Republic era who are showing their faces right after A New Hope which does doesn't really make sense unless you're the same person or somebody who they have like either taken copious notes on their books because they love them or have spoken in great detail with them so yeah i just mm, i got questions for you judy uh <laughs> who was that yeah <laughs> uh judy judy come come to legends con come yes. to the next legends con so Here's, here's the thing. I have I have tried to contact her three times because before I did Legends Con, um, so I like Andy and Ryan, I'm heavily involved with the Star Wars costume clubs. And during the height of the pandemic, did these webathon events to raise money for vaccine efforts with UNICEF and Save the Children. And I ran three of them. They were 24 or 12 hour. Together, all three of them were 48 hours um of content. It was all interviews with Star Wars authors, actors, etc. I am very good at finding people online i promise i'm not a stalker um but i i found contact information for her like personal assistant and for every single one of those webathons i emailed this person and never heard back so if someone can help me put in contact with her we'd we'd love to bring her out next time for legends con but she seems to kind of be a little bit of a ghost so please please i have so many questions for you i will say that i respect anyone who 
is not plugged into the internet in the same way that I am. Like, like Twitter, Twitter has ruined my life. I'm, I'm addicted. I'm obsessed, and it's terrible. She is on Twitter, as we will get to. She is on Twitter. Yes. We, we will come to this. Yes. Hold on, hold on. So you're saying that this woman wrote Obi Wan Kenobi's life from age 12 to old man Obi Wan Kenobi, and then turned around and pulled an Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, it just disappeared. Disappeared. Right. And I actually, I, I actually, I actually have to correct you. Not just to old man, actually to force ghosts because in rebel well wait no sorry never mind it's assuming that oh, she wrote oh, rebel oh, force if yeah. she did write if she did write rebel force then she actually wrote him to force ghost because he's around in that and it's hilarious because ferris is arguing with obi-wan's ghost sometimes and that i just love it <laughs> this is a good time before we we jump into our first block of ferris olin's tragic gay life i do want to say up front that we're breaking this episode up into these three sections in part because i don't want to necessarily put a spoiler warning at the top of the episode. I want to give people a chance to listen to what's being discussed with some of these series. And then if you decide you just want to hear us talk about the life of one Ferris Olin, that's great. Uh, you can listen to the whole episode. If you if we talk about Jedi Quest for a little bit and you think, hey, this is really fascinating. I want to track these down. Uh, stop the episode. Go do that. You will not be spoiled for Last of the Jedi or Rebel Force. The end of Last of the Jedi and you decide you don't want to be spoiled for Rebel Force. We're going to give you an out there too. I was able to find some of the books on Kindle that we'll get to in a minute. They're all on thrift books. They're all, They're all on, on thrift books. books. Uh, there's bookfinder.com. I believe that Catherine, that's the one that you recommend. Yes. Yes. Because bookfinder.com will search like all of, it'll, it'll search thrift books, a books, Amazon, everybody, and dump you out a list of, it's especially useful if you are not within the U.S. because you can filter it to ship to whatever country you are in. Um, cool. And it'll dump out ones that will ship to your location and sort them in price order. And I will also say, check if you have a library card. That's awesome. Check your local library. It's almost certain your local library may have copies of these books just because they were so prolific. If you don't have a library card, go fix that immediately. Yes. Now. Yes, because the libraries, at least the, yeah, at least the library systems that I have been in, because I, I just like stock their star, their digital Star Wars collections, because I, I like to listen to audiobooks while I'm sewing and stuff like that. Most of them even have them, most like the library systems that I've been in have them both as ebooks and sometimes also audiobooks as well. So definitely, yeah, go get a library card. What are you doing? <laughs> All righty. Well, let's dive in. This is your notification that we're about to talk about the first appearances of one Ferris Olin which are the Jedi Quest books. Andy, you had said that you had read these books more as a kid, that, that you and I are the same age, I believe. Mm -hmm. So we have a joint experience. Uh, can you describe a little bit, one, what's in these books, and two, what, what you remember of Ferris Olin's arc? And I'm sure Catherine will fill in the gaps. Sure. I just want to say, like, I found these books when I was really struggling to learn how to read. I had a uh, a really bad speech impediment, and growing up, I had to take, like, speech therapy classes, and I had to take, uh, like, extra remedial reading classes, because it took me a really long time to learn how to speak, and then it took me a really long time to learn how to read, and I was just, like, the right age for the Jedi Apprentice and Jedi Quest books to hit. I do think Xanatos from Jedi Apprentice turned me gay. 
okay. Oh, we don't we don't need to t- we don't need to talk about. So there are some characters <laughs> in Legends that I retroactively look back on and go, "You were down bad for this man." Yeah, way too hard. Uh, the <laughs> most prevalent being my very obvious years long teen crush on one Ben Skywalker. I will say <laughs> that Xanatos awakened things in me that I don't think have ever really gone away. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think I, I I definitely didn't have the words for it. Like I didn't know what like a crush was and I definitely didn't know like you could have a crush on a boy but like I was just fascinated with that that villain with the scar under the, oh my god okay anyway so Fierce Olin shows up in the Jedi quest books which is quick correction Xanatos is from Jedi Apprentice yes Jedi. yes, yes. so yeah. yeah however yeah. however he is relevant to the plot of Jedi Quest, of yes, what I remember yes. of the plot of Jedi Quest. Xenatos was Jedi Apprentice. So if you want to find out why Andy and I were both in love with this man, uh, here's your recommendation to start with Jedi Apprentice. Uh, sorry, please continue. Jedi Quest, Anakin and Obi-Wan, Furious is introduced as the Padawan of Siri Tachi, who was Obi-Wan's like best friend uh, growing up. And uh, she is also a Jedi Knight. And while she is a little more like Anakin, she's a little more laid back, loosey-goosey on the rules. We're here to have a good time, not a long time. Furious is a lot more like Obi-Wan in that he really cares about protocol. He really cares about, like, the proper way to be a Jedi. And, like, Jedi follow the rules. Jedi do what they're supposed to do. And that that's how you be a Jedi. And Anakin and him just do not get along. They very immediately start butting heads. They kind of have like a group of friends and they're the two oldest out of the group. So they're the two kind of vying for leadership all the time. And they are just like oil and water. Like they just don't mix. Over the course of the series, they have like numerous like run-ins with each other. I remember one time like Anakin was training lightsaber styles with a different Jedi master and as, like, a test, she had Furious, like, sneak attack him because she knew that that would, like, one, get under Anakin's skin, and two, Furious is, like, the best person roughly Anakin's age who could, like, give him, a like, a good fight, like, a, a competitive fight. And in order to win, Anakin had to, like, resort to giving into his anger. And the Jedi Master was like, I'm not going to train you anymore. Like, you're a little dickhead. And, like, that is when... Furious and Anakin were like dead set rivals from then on out. If Furious said go right, Anakin's going to say go left. If Anakin says the sky is blue, Furious is going to say it's red. And they run into each other a bunch throughout the course of the series. They end up becoming friends on a mission. Furious confronts Obi-Wan and tells him like, dude, you don't seem to see this because you're too close to the problem. But like Anakin is like, is like 16, 17 now. And he is an issue. Like, like you are too close. You're not doing what you need to do to like solve this. But like the boy needs a therapist. And Obi-Wan is like, oh, well, uh, I meditate about it and uh, Anakin talks to Yoda and everything's going to be fine. And Ferris is like, well, I said my piece. It's not my responsibility anymore. I did what I could. And then like from that point on, he and Anakin do get along way better. And then the bad the bad things happen, which is, uh, I, I guess, big spoiler for a book from like 20 years ago. From to the Christ, was yeah. it 20 years ago? Yeah. 
Oh my it was, god! Yes. Every <laughs> every time I read one of these books well, or cover one of these books, I'm just like, oh my god! I feel so thirties. So it's right before the outbreak of the Clone Wars. There is a like Jedi Knight shortage, and so the Council decides that they are going to speed up the knighting. They're going to accelerate the knighting of certain Padawan. And the first one that they have picked is Furious, which like is objectively the right choice. Like the the young man is a fine upstanding Jedi. And I I got to like break in here. He is a fine upstanding Jedi, but he is also absolutely the like gay disaster AP kid who is just riddled with anxiety for, for no one's fault but his own. Oh, yes, absolutely. Like one of one of my favorite moments cuz we talked about how Siri is a little bit more like laid back and stuff like that. Like one of my favorite of their interactions is Siri is like, you know, we get along better if you took a little star out of your tunic like it's just like he is ferris is so 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 uptight and like no one is putting this pressure on him except for himself and it is just so fucking relatable as you know i too was once a uptight like gay ap kid there's there's another line from siri that I think really hits too, where she says like, everything has come really easy to Furious. Like he he's good at making friends. He's smart. He's capable. He's like good with the force, but failure is also an important teacher. And she's like, I'm worried that he won't know how to handle that teacher when it finally arrives. And this idea that like up to this point, Furious has not ever let himself fail. And because he's been so uptight, because he's been so, he has to be the perfect Jedi because he's Fierce Alin. And he's got to keep acing these classes and he's got to like keep expanding in his force techniques and his lightsaber techniques and, and this, that, and the other. So yeah, he is definitely like this high strung, stressed out, gay disaster. So relatable. Cause that's like, I, I sailed through high school, like AP college and the high school classes, started a physics program as a freshman in college and multivariate calculus just came for my ass like it just <laughs> yeah you know, it's it's absolutely the just yeah like what do you do and so and like we'll get to this with the last of the jedi books because it, it is so it i i just why part of why i love this character so dearly is because yeah like we'll, we'll anyway sorry continue because i'm about to spoil something for jedi quest yeah. so i'm gonna continue andy anakin confronts furious on the shuttle and freaks the fuck out he's just like you don't deserve it i do i'm the chosen one legend right. anakin sucked hard by the way if you listen to my outbound yeah. flight episode and there was a good solid like 10 minutes of me bitching about how much i fucking hate how legends obi-wan and anakin is written legends anakin sucked unbelievably hard because nobody really knew what the character arc was yet so everybody yeah. tried to keep putting these quote-unquote yeah. subtle clues that he was going <laughs> to turn into darth vader but they have all subtle. the it was not subtle. <laughs> yeah. And it's like every single appearance of Anakin Skywalker, every single one of them prior to Revenge of the Sith coming out, wanted to telegraph the reason. And then Revenge of the Sith came out and everybody was like, that that was that was the reason? Oh, okay. Yeah, it is good to keep in mind that these are coming out before Revenge of the Sith, but post Attack of the Clones. Clone. Keep in mind, Legends Anakin sucks unbelievably hard during this I, era. I still love him. But yeah, Anakin blows up at Furious. You don't deserve it. I do. You think you're better than me. You're not. I'm the chosen one. You're a fucking nerd. And all of their friends, because again, they share a friend group, are like, Anakin, you're being a huge dickhead right now. Like, just be happy for him. And like, you're going to be knighted soon. It's fine that you're not the first in this accelerated program. And Furious is like, we've been friends for a while, Anakin, but like, you're being a dickhead. Chill out. So they go on the mission. On the mission, 
uh, True Veld, who is Anakin's best friend, who was also friends with Furious, uh, his lightsaber gets damaged. And because Anakin's being a prick, True goes to Furious to fix it. He's like, hey, I'm not so good with like these sort of like on the spot repairs. Can you like give me a hand with this? And Furious is like, oh yeah, like I'm like great at this sort of thing. And like fixes his lightsaber and Anakin watches this and his feelings are hurt. And he realizes that he had made a custom piece for True's lightsaber. And it's probably going to short out because Furious doesn't know about that weird custom job he did. And Anakin goes, I'm not going to tell them. I'll let it fail. That'll teach True a lesson not to go to Fierce and to always come to me when he needs help. And because of how the mission... Anakin is a well-adjusted, fine young man. Yeah, no no attachment issues. No. The, the, the mission is like a total shit show. It's on like Korriban. It's on like the Sith planet. Like like Sith stuff is going bad. And sure enough, in, in a big fight, uh, True's lightsaber shorts out. Another Padawan sacrifices herself to save their lives because True's lightsaber was fucked up. And Furious ends up... I want to add it to like, oh, it's yeah. not just any other Padawan. One. Like Dara, she's one of the younger ones in the friend group and mm-hmm. she's just adorable. Like her role throughout this whole series has been that she's like an adorable little sister. Like she's the shining light. Yeah. Yeah. Like she chews on her braid when she's nervous. Like it's just, she's just, she's just adorable. And so her dying because of this is just like the worst possible outcome. Horrible I, I, news. Horrible news, Dara. You are in a Star Wars. I do want to stress too that it wasn't, it wasn't like a a shitty kind of fridging moment or anything like she goes out like a jedi knight it's uh it's a really great character arc that she gets throughout the series and it culminates in her with this really heroic sacrifice furious is devastated like Catherine said like dara was the little sister of this friend group obviously they're all shooken up like true is blaming himself because it was his lightsaber that shorted out furious is blaming himself because he did the repair anakin is secretly blaming himself because he could have stopped it but he didn't and it's been years but i feel like he kind of rubbed it in their faces a little bit Furious especially. Yeah, so Furious goes to the council and resigns. He quits the order. As he's leaving, someone, uh, a like lightsaber expert, like brings the, the lightsaber over to Furious and explains like what went wrong with it. And in a conversation with Anakin, Anakin reveals accidentally that he knew and could have fixed it. And Furious is like, wow, you are such a dick. And True Veld is also there, and he's like, Anakin, you and I will never be friends. This sin is unforgivable. And that is the end of Furious's story in, in Jedi Quest. It, it ends with him leaving the Order. Uh, his master does die during the Clone Wars, and... And we will be pinning the story right there. Yeah. Right there I, before yeah. we, we well, get to I, the next I, I one. Will, I, will say, I will say also this is the end of Ferris having friends within, like, Legends, too. Because, like, his whole friend group, like, once they found out what happened, they were just like, all right, bye. Like, so that, I think that that's also important. You mean Anakin, right? Yes. Sorry, yes. did I say Ferris? Yes, I meant, An- yeah, this is, this is yeah. the end of Anakin having friends, like, within the Legends timeline. Like, because it's, it's the people that he grew up with now rightfully blame him for one of them getting killed, so... Yeah, I, I would say the exception there is obviously Obi-Wan still. Like, Obi-Wan at that point is his only remaining friend. And then, like, Alpha, the clone, never quite was really 
a friend. You know, like the clones in Legends are very different than the clones in they are. the 3D show. So it, again, it really, we didn't know what the story arc was going to be. <laughs> it is really important to note that like, yeah, this is the last time that Anakin had friends outside of like work. And I do remember reading some of these books as a kid and they're very like Adventure of the Week kind of books, at least at first. Like the one I, I remember was the Dangerous Games one. Love the one that where, one. Uh, the one where yeah. Anakin has to pod race against Sebulba and Sebulba has like Anakin's old pod race racer like he bought anakin's old pod racer i i, I want to put has to in air quotes here yeah. of anakin full uh, anakin sees that there's pod racing and is like i'm gonna make i'm gonna figure out how to work pod racing into what i need to do for this mission not to keep plugging legends con yeah. into the void oh. i will keep plugging legends con into the void because i want to see fucking everybody at it at the next one but there was a gentleman there uh sky guy brick ranch i think is the austin. instagram handle i know his name is austin yes. I'm, I'm trying to remember the handle to direct yeah. people to yeah. sky guy yeah. brick ranch yeah, i think yeah it's it's yeah yeah go listen to the ryan episode it's for sure ryan says the correct one in that episode he actually had yeah. a model of that book which unlocked like a core memory when i saw it i was like oh that's one of those that i've read that's um, awesome. yes that is where we are with Ferris. Uh, and that's mostly preamble. Uh, so if you listen to that and you were like, gosh, these books sound really cool. Tune out now. Here is your spoiler warning because we're going to go into The Last of the Jedi and uh, there's no cap on spoilers up to the end of The Last of the Jedi. So if you think this sounds like something you want to get into, check out now uh, because Catherine is about to explain to us the plot of Last of the Jedi, a book that I have read some of within the past two weeks. Yes. Books. Yes. Plural. Before before we dive in, I just want to say that I read all of Jedi Apprentice, all of Jedi Quest, and I read almost all of Last of the Jedi. Uh, I started to age out at that point, though, and was reading, like, bigger Star Wars books. But I got to the point where, spoilers, 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 my favorite character died, and I was like, Jude Watson, you've taken enough from me. <laughs> Actually, actually, as we dive into Last of the Jedi, for our, our listeners over the age of 21, which should be most of you because this is an explicit podcast, you should not be listening if you're under the age of 18, but for those of you over 21, Catherine's going to describe how Last of the Jedi begins, and I want you to take a shot every time this sounds like a recent TV show. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And not not just recent, because it's like it like starting in like 2014, I think. Yeah, that's that's when Rebels started, right? Yeah. Okie dokies. So in, in so many ways, too. So basically, we have a um, former Jedi who is running around with a little rebel cell that includes this blue haired kid. And there's he he has this friend with him who like all signs point to this being some kind of romantic partner. It's never said flat out. And there's inquisitors and there's Darth Vader and there there's weapons being built in a prison. And gosh, like so many I, I reread this series as I was preparing for this. And there's so many times that I was just like, oop, that just showed up in Andor. Oop, that just showed up in like um 
it's I mean heavily, very heavily rebel. Obi Wan's love interest dying in his arms during the Clone Wars, where he his final words are that they should have left the order together. <laughs> or the fact that this series opens. I read the first two books on Kindle Unlimited. This series opens with Obi Wan Kenobi watching over Luke on Tatooine, whereupon he hears that someone from his past is in some sort of jeopardy and decides due to some personal greater calling and also the fact that he's just really struggling super hard to understand the lessons that Qui-Gon's trying to teach him so he can begin his training with Qui-Gon. He chooses to leave the planet and find this person who has been captured and is in peril only to discover that they have in fact already got the situation pretty well in hand. Uh, he then goes on an adventure involving multiple Inquisitors and some stuff from his past involving Luke and Leia's birth before returning to Tatooine uh, to begin his training in earnest with Qui-Gon Jinn, securing the knowledge that the future is brighter while he has to stay here and look over Luke Skywalker. That yeah. sound familiar? Like, you could you could slot Barris into current canon so easily. And there's a lot of characters that I don't want for that. Like Mara Jade is one of my other favorite characters. And I'm like, nope, just like leave her in the box that she's in, in Legends, because like things went a little bit south as it was like towards the end with her. Like I don't want to see somebody else rehash it. But with Ferris, I'm like, please pick him up because now it's no longer scholastic chapter books in the mid 2000s where gay marriage was not even legal in America. And we could probably call a spade a spade, which we should, should we get into that now? Okay. Yes. Uh, that. Lucas, yeah. Lucasfilm, hire me. I'm available constantly <laughs> to write this. So the person, if you haven't guessed, that Obi-Wan in the sort of quote-unquote two-part pilot, because he sort of leaves the series, at least from what I could tell for the yeah. most part after this point, the person that he's going after is Ferris Olin, who has started a little business on a planet with his, and I shoot you not, this is the exact word they use, partner, Rowan. Yeah. yeah. When I tell you, so <laughs> I, I, I'm going to tell this story from the panel it's it's in the panel like we told it at the panel i'm gonna tell it again when i was preparing the powerpoint for the panel because i made the powerpoint to keep us on track for the queries panel to make 100 percent sure we'd get through everything in the hour that we had when i made this catherine was like i'm gonna give you a bunch of ferris and rowan quotes to potentially use and i said okay that's that's great um i will pick out the gayest ones and put them in this slideshow and then about an hour later i messaged catherine back and i went so the problem is they're all gay <laughs> <laughs> every single one. And then when I read the two books, every interaction they have with each other, every time Ferris, there's a scene where Ferris like slides down, like accidentally activates a trap and falls down and hits his ass. <laughs> And his immediate first thought is, oh, I got to tell Rowan about this. He's going to find it so funny. The closet is transparent, Ferris. It's glass. I don't even think that he's in the closet anymore. Like, they're, like, like he doesn't say business partner. He says partner. Like Partner, yeah. yeah. Uh, all Pretty much all the way through the book, which we'll, we'll probably get into this a little bit. Like, it's, I would say, probably 85% of the time, the way that Rowan is referred to in relation to Ferris is partner. Occasionally, somebody he says friend but most of the time it's part and there is there is very much like within ferris's own thought in his like internal monologue there is a separation between rowan and the rest of his friends like it'll like he'll be like listing off you know like because as, as he's off doing jedi business again you know and he's listing off like he's worried about rowan and he's worried about his friends and like these are separate entities and the like these books are written between 2005 and 
I actually, I have it up. I have it up on the screen. It was between yes. 2005 and 2008. Yes. So between 2005 and 2008, partner was like the only, like people didn't really like for gay relationships, at least in the area that I was living in, like partner was the going term. Like it wasn't typically people wouldn't refer to each other as like, this is my husband. Like it just that that's what the language was same-sex marriage was so far from the zeitgeist like it was no one thought it was going to be possible at, at that point in america yeah yeah so like it's within the context of these books being written 2005 to 2008 like partner that in itself is plain text i would say rather than subtext but really when if you've read the rest of the books we talked about earlier about the love of obi-wan's life dying in his arms so that would be siri tachi um because in legends he also has a thing for blondes who scream at him <laughs> this is the um, universal obi-wan kenobi trait this yeah, blonde, blonde woman who put him in his place. And I'm so not gonna Siri it. and Obi-Wan, I, yeah, Siri and Obi-Wan, when they're Padawans, they kind of start to have a thing together. And um, then they decide they'd rather be Jedi than be in a relationship, which is definitely the right choice for both of them. Because like Obi-Wan would mm-hmm. not build in his life if he was not a Jedi. Um, and Siri, not either. Um, She would get bored so quickly. <laughs> but not with Obi-Wan, just like with life, if she couldn't be out rabble rousing. So they decide that they're not going to be in a relationship relationship they're going to be jedi instead and obi-wan has this conversation with qui-gon about attachment and it's like a lot like i something that i really respect jude watson for in her writing is that unlike a lot of the fandom she understands that the context of the word attachment within jedi is that of like Taoism and buddhism not like the american concept of it it's not that you can't love people it's that you have to be able to let go of things but which was also the george lucas romantic it, sorry yeah that was the george lucas yes. that, that was what he was um, um, like, like as the, well. Yes, yes. The, yeah, it, it's his intention of it being based off of Buddhism, Taoism, that kind of thing. So the reason that Jedi can't be married is because that would be a like commitment that is in conflict with their other commitments to the Republic as a whole. And like you can't have that kind of relationship in an unattached manner in which you're able to like let go. And Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon have this whole conversation about it because Qui-Gon also within the Jude Watson books, he had a thing with an, uh, yet another uh, female character who puts him in his place. And I maintain that the events of episode one would not have gone down if they had, if Tall had still been alive to just be like, Qui-Gon, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Um, <laughs> but anyways, so in this conversation, they talk about, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon talk about attachment and like, you know, why it is that, you know, like, blah, 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 this is why. And Obi-Wan says like, do you think it'll ever be different? And Qui-Gon says like, I mean, really? No. Like, unless there's something that like completely changes the whole galaxy, I think that this is the way that it's going to be. And like, there's reasons for it. And, you know, and this is coming from Qui-Gon who's like, fuck the rules um he's still just like no you know because like when the um spoilers for jedi apprentice when the person that he was in love with died like he lost his fucking shit he like went a little bit dark side for a hot didn't second. he leave the order no that we, we don't have time for that to get okay. into that um yeah. that, somebody that leaves the order i don't remember that's who. another podcast obi-wan, obi-wan obi-wan left the order for a while 
Okay. Or and he, but, but it's but it he, is related to, to Tall because Tall 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 had been like horribly tortured and blinded, and it doesn't exactly say how she was blinded, but like reading rereading these books as an adult, I've like the conclusion that I've come up with is that they like dripped acid across her eyes because it talks about these like chemical like it, it looks like it sounds like it's describing chemical burns across her face. So Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan roll up. She's been tortured. My assumption is chemical burns. Qui-Gon is like, I'm taking her back for so that we can like you know deal with this and obi-wan is like no like there's a huge problem here on this planet like i'm staying and qui-gon is like all right bet bye and so that is where obi-wan leaves but anyways that's not important to this but so then at the end of the first of the last of the jedi books they're in space orbiting Belasa, which is the planet where ferris has settled on and met rowan and obi-wan is telling ferris like hey like this rebel stuff that you're doing is like really important but like i need you to do jedi stuff again too and ferris says i can't i have a and he's looking down at the planet where Rowan is and Obi-Wan quotes back to him exactly what Qui-Gon told him about how like well you know like maybe if like the galaxy like there's this huge change in the galaxy like maybe it's not going to be as important like maybe it's just like and he's like look you know like it's fucked up now like I don't really care if you are have, if you have attachments like we need you like there's not many Jedi left we need you to do Jedi stuff not and, to get into like, the that, whole uh, sorry not to get into the whole like uh, George Bush era ness of it all, uh, but that yeah. rereading re that like and knowing that this was coming out in like 2005, Bush had just been reelected. Mm -hmm. The year before, mm -hmm. the Iraq war was dragging on. It really felt like we were going to be at war forever. It felt like yeah. everything was upending. You can even feel that in these books, just the way that it's it's written with yeah. that conversation that they have. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, it's just, it's like, and this is, this is where I really argue that then, so in 2015, it was on Twitter that somebody, somebody asked Jude Watson, like just randomly, if Ferris is gay and she said yes i'm so glad that somebody finally asked and then i don't remember if it was the same person or another one who was like follow-up question like what's going on with him and rowan like was that like like is that like are they like a thing like is that mutual like like clearly he has feelings for rowan but like is that what what's going on like is that mutual andrew watson says oh yeah they're married and then the little corner of tumblr that i was hanging out on where all the queer legends fans are at that point in time just like exploded for the next like year basically of just like oh my god but it's it's so like re i have not i up until like preparing for this i had never like sat down and like reread all of them in order since then and it is just it is so clear in the way that they talk about each other and i think charles you'd said something when we were like chatting about this before about like how you read a lot of gay romance novels but... i read yeah i had i had mentioned because we the three of us had a group chat you know to prepare for this episode and then the group chat became charles reads the first two last of the Jedi books and talks about this but I was I made the point that like I read a ton of gay romance books just a ton of YA gay romance books a ton of adult gay romance books like that's a genre I read a lot of when I tell you that I read Ferris and Rowan in the first two last of the Jedi books and went these motherfuckers are gay as hell for each other I need you to know I have the credentials to say that because the way it's read is it, the way it's written they clearly love each 
each other so much. And it's not just a like, they think about how much they love each other because that's kind of the easy way out. Just to think, oh, I care about this person so much, yada, yada, yada. They show it because of things like Ferris falling on his ass and immediately thinking about Rowan or just the interactions that they have with each other because Jude Watson can't go past that line. So she finds the line and comes right up to it. But the yeah. result of that is it's, it's honestly more clear because it's shown through the way the characters interact with each other. Like their reunion in the second book, like they, they reunite in I think the second book. I was like, if this was 10 years later, they would have kissed on the mouth mm -hmm. with how just, they have their special little hand clasp that they yeah. do that's special I for them. I, I don't think Star Wars is ready for a gay, like male Jedi, but like even now. Uh, they do yeah. exist now. They're in the there High Republic. Is, they do well in the High Republic, which is the best the thing era. that Star Wars has done ever. <laughs> because you have gay people and monster fuckers, and it's great. I fucking love the High Republic. Uh, yes. But yeah. It's just, it's crazy because I read it and I'm like, yeah, these, these motherfuckers gay as hell. And it's just because they care so deeply about each other. Also, Ferris, like, I only read the first two books, but it clearly is going in the direction of they're going to adopt that, like, little 13-year-old blue-haired street rat child. Yeah. When, when I say... This yeah, book did like... say blue hair and pronouns. <laughs> Like, when I say, like, when I'm trying to describe to people, like, how much, like, it's like, okay, it's subtext, but also it's text, is, like, it is exactly the same as... Kanan and Hera within the first few seasons of Rebels, where it's like, they never say that they're in a romantic relationship, but like, clearly, like, they've been in a, like, they've been working together. It's like, yeah, they're partners. Like, they've been partners for years, fighting the Empire. Adopting children. Adopting children, yes. Um, Adopting blue-haired street children. Uh, Trevor, I mean, Ezra, I mean, Trevor, I mean, Ezra, yeah. <laughs> Let's go fight some Inquisitors, Trevor, I mean, Ezra. Um, it's really, it's really interesting to me because, like, I have not kept up recently with, like, the current Star Wars publications for the most part just because my life got busy. But, like, I was, I read through, like, the first third, I forget what they're calling it, like, the first third of High Republic, the first wave of High Republic. It, it's phase, phase one. Phase, I am, unfortunately, uh, quite famous for either having coined the term High Republic brain rot or one of the people who popularized the term. Yeah. I have a spreadsheet yes. breaking down the High Republic literally in chronological order, chapter by by chapter issue by issue and showing where each thing lies. I have problems. I am a mentally ill gay person. Just like it, Ferris. Yes. Um. <laughs> I am so like Ferris. I would have been so down bad for this man if I had known he existed, <laughs> these books existed prior to 2021, no 2022 at the Pride Squadron panel when that's where I found out sitting next to my boyfriend oh. that Ferris Olin was gay and I'm like, wait, fucking really? And then it was up on the yeah. screen. I was like, oh, this man has white hair and mental problems. I would have loved him. I would have been obsessed with him. Uh, well, it's never too late. It's, yeah. it's, you can no, still finish I'm, reading I'm that there. series. I'm yeah. there. I'm going to finish it at some point. Yeah. Um, my, First phase High Republic, you were reading it. Yes. Sorry. We got off track. Yes. And First phase anyways, High Republic. Yes. yes. So like with, with, with like with the current run of Star Wars books and comics, there are certainly a lot more queer characters because it is a lot easier for that to like Star Wars has always been progressive like Juhani being a lesbian in 2003 in KOTOR like that's a big fucking deal and like you know it's like these books 
being what they are, like that's a big deal for the time too. Now we're allowed to call a spade a spade more. But what's interesting to me is that like with even within the High Republic books and like the other books, um, like the Aftermath series and stuff like that, where we have queer characters, uh, specific, specifically with Aftermath, and this is nothing against the authors, like E.K. Johnston, Charles Wendig, Chuck Wendig, like all fantastic. But it's interesting because we don't ever really see these deep relationships with the gay characters, like the gay couples, like we do with Ferris and Rowan, where like it's so clear how they built a life together and we see that in flashbacks in addition to them like together you know fighting the empire and it's just it's something that i think is missing really like and maybe you know since i am behind i've only like read phase one and stuff like that and i think that we were kind of going somewhere with lula and zine in i will be silent yeah, it was just, it's, it, I, I feel like with a lot, so like, um, like with Sinjir and I'm forgetting his husband's name. Condor Kyle. Um, but like in that's in the, Kyle, yeah, Condor Kyle, yeah. Um, in the Aftermath trilogy, like it's just, we, we know that they're a couple because it's told to us. Like we don't really see a lot of them. Like it's, it's like, so there's within, within the Last of the Jedi series. So Ferris is in Imperial prison again. And somebody tells him like, it's hopeless. Like, just like, you know, keep your head down and like, think about like the happiest time of your life. Like best, day, think about the best day of your life and just like live in that fantasy because you're going to work until you die. And what immediately comes to mind for him is hiking with his partner, Rowan, on the neighboring world of Tati. And it's like described as this like jungle and it was super hot out. And they came across this waterfall and they like jumped into the waterfall and like came up and they were laughing and it doesn't really explain what else happened after that but um i make assumptions um (laughs) yeah yeah like it's it's stuff it's just like and there's there's little there's hope like i'm just so hungry for more of like what their life was so i should back up after ferris left the jedi he like they gave him enough money to like find somewhere to like get settled basically like he was not just like pitched out on the street after he resigned and so he's like kind of bouncing around world to world trying to figure out where he wants to be he is standing in a cafe on this world balasa and he's just like having like extreme like he cannot decide between like a roll or a muffin for breakfast at this cafe i love this story yeah and this guy comes up to him and like just puts both of them on his tray and is like all right let's move like come on let's go like you know um and they start talking and this is rowan and like this is like through through his relationship with rowan and like rowan's family very much accepted him like this is this is how he like kind of learns to loosen up and taught him how to laugh like taught him what it's like to be part of a family i think this is one of the quotes i picked actually for the powerpoint yeah yeah like it's it's incredibly gay and we'll get we'll get into it a little bit later too once we hit i'm trying to avoid like a major spoiler right now for this series but yeah like it's they the two of them they started a business together that was like basically witness protection program for whistleblowers against like i love again you're talking about the bush era and it's just like um the way it's written is just like against these like corrupt corporations that are doing these terrible things and it's just like ah yes the bush era yeah like they and also i just i love i it's it's not something that i think was ever really in jedi quest but like ferris is a very accomplished like programmer and hacker and i love that for him that this is like you know it's like skills that he learned in his jedi training like of like 
that's what he like he's able to make a living for himself off of that with Rowan and they had these like glorious years together before the Clone Wars started and then during the Clone Wars they both enlisted in the Republic Army and like we just get like little tidbits of that every now and then and I want to just like shake the book until more of that falls out because I'm so curious but yeah there's just there's so much there anyways it is just it's such it's such an example of like show showing not telling kind of thing with with their relationship and it's just such a like it's just such a it's just such a good thing there I just I love it so much and it's something that this is this is why this is why I really would like to see Ferris's story retold because I think like it's what he was doing it still fits very well in what's going on in the Obi-Wan show and in Andor like it slots in really well and yeah so he's running around he's trying he's trying to find the the task that he like puts himself to is that he wants to try to find more surviving Jedi after having met Obi-Wan he wants to try to find more Jedi and like help the order rebuild um and this is of course much easier said than done both for in-universe reasons and then also out of universe reasons of of course you can't like build this a little bit it's like... the jedi fallen order problem the the we go into the story and the motivation of the characters is we're going to rebuild the jedi order and we are well aware that by the it end is... of the story the yeah. jedi order will not be rebuilt yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's like this is not going to end well and this and this is where i'm going to get into some spoiler territory because it's also we know that it's not going to end well for a jedi to have a spouse um and <laughs> especially if you're Ferris Olin and your childhood rival is now Darth Vader. And it like it's not till towards the end of the series that Ferris like puts these pieces together that Anakin is like that Vader is Anakin. And just like up until that point, like I gotta say, like the balls on this man, like for how he sasses Vader, like dude has no fear. I mean he does, but he like lets that out through being a smart ass but anyways there's this like absolutely like from an out of universe like not even out of universe just like from our our perspective of having watched the movies because um he's he's ferris starts doing some double agent work with the empire so like he's basically palpatine calls him up and is like hey we need to meet I have like a proposition for you basically and like a fool ferris goes and Palpatine is like, hey, like, there's this, like, you know, we, we need your your computer expertise, basically, for this planet that, like, it's like, yeah, you'd be working for the Empire, but also, like, helping people, like, you should do this. And Ferris is like, okay, no. Um, now, I, I, I have to interject really quick with a question. Yeah. Is this where we yeah. get those incredibly sexy covers of Ferris? Where he's standing next to Vader and Palpatine, or is that yes. later? Okay, no, that, this is that. This is, here, this, this, yeah. is, this is where that starts. Yeah. Okay, um, because I saw those covers and some thoughts were thunk. Yeah. Not not thoughts that I'm gonna share, but <laughs> if if you know my feelings about one Fenris from Dragon Age Two, uh, you can imagine my thoughts of seeing another white-haired gay disaster. 
he certainly is a disaster because mm-hmm. like I'm into that apparently. Cause, yeah, because because Palpatine was offering him amnesty basically for like his his friends pretty much like him and his friends who'd been part of this resistance on like Balassa that had been like you know all these things have happened and things have not been going well for them. And Ferris goes, he listens, he's like, yeah, I'm not gonna work for you guys. Like fuck off, fascists. Then Palpatine is like, oh by the way, your partner Rowan is currently in Imperial prison, like scheduled to be executed. So if you were to do this for me like maybe that wouldn't happen and like ferris is just like turned around facing the wall and it's just because he's like yep this is the trap he's like i knew this is gonna be a trap here's the trap it's right here like i can't like i have to do this so ferris starts working for the empire and he's like i'm gonna be a double agent like i'm gonna you know like not only am i gonna be saving rowan in this like i'm also going to be like you know i'm gonna gather information like it'll be useful blah 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 and then like inquisitors start getting involved and like Vader's involved and like Palpatine just always keeps managing to string Ferris along of like there keeps being more reasons that he can't just like bail because Ferris just wants to run like at the first opportunity like once Rowan is out like once Rowan is safe he like is trying to detach himself then from this work that he's doing for the Empire and he just can't um but what is fascinating is that like the conversations that Palpatine is having with Ferris Palpatine is clearly working off of the information that Anakin gave him as a teenager when he must have just been going into Palpatine's office and bitching about Ferris and how, you know, this stupid stuck up goody two shoes, blah, 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 blah. Because that's how Pal- like Palpatine is trying to corrupt who Ferris was as a 17 year old rather than like as a 20 something, which is like so tragic that all of this is happening like like I'm pretty sure that all three of us now are older than like Ferris is for the events of these books, which is tragic for what's coming. Yeah, like it's so Ferris is just getting strung along. He's trying, he is getting like some useful information and he is like it is able to be something that's useful for like his rebel group. And then but like he's having to like be around Vader and that's not working out so great. Like Vader Palpatine is also very much using like he knows about Ferris's like the, the rivalry between Anakin and Ferris. And so Palpatine is keeping Ferris around for the purposes of riling up Vader, which is working very well. And Vader gets the chance to kill Rowan, and he does. He stabs him through the chest. Ferris is like helpless to stop it. And Ferris loses his fucking shit. It's kind of like it's it's you know there there is a reason that Jedi don't do the attachment thing because shit can get really real really quickly and like he is slipping he is falling to the dark side with like his grief and his like anger towards Vader because they're then continuing to work together. That's, that's something that I feel like if we did the like if we told the story again I would hope like I don't really consider it bury your gaze the same way that like you were saying like Dara's death is not really like fridging like. Cause it's like it's Andy Andy and I have discussed a little bit on our our Lords of the Sith episode in Force from Rewatch when we were talking about Moff Moors. Mm-hmm. That a lot of it boils down to how you handle something in the text where yeah. something is fridging yeah. or barrier gaze versus gay, gay people are not immortal. We can die. So like if we yeah, if we die in a story, how we die is like determines to me whether it's barrier gaze or not. 
Yeah, and right. I just I read, just... yeah, like it, it, I just read something where, you know, something awful happens to a gay character, but something awful happens to every character in this series. Yes. Yes. So when the awful thing happened to the gay character, I was like, okay, this is par for the course for the entire series. Right. It is and not then... just we've singled this character out yeah. for a ridiculous amount of literary yeah. abuse. Yeah. And that's, and that's what, like, that's like Vader's, like, it's the reason that he kills Rowan is to get a ride out of ferris and what's fascinating is that like later on invaders internal monologue like he he is very much like saying to himself that like he killed rowan so that ferris would have to like experience the pain that he felt with padme like he is directly paralleling these two things that like the, the, the really... subtext is text yeah. it is yeah. text A homophobic ally vader <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I recognize your relationship as valid as my marriage, but also... Darth Vader said, truly said, yeah. I, I know what you are. I am going to kill you anyway, but yes. or your partner anyway, but I just want you to know, Ferris Olin, I see what you are. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, oh, that's a real great relationship you have there. It'd be pity if something <laughs> happened to it. Um, <sighs> yeah, so so Ferris is losing his shit, and you're, you're going to love this when you read this because, you know, he's tortured and, like, he's, like, tearing a room apart with the Force because he's just having a bad time. Like, Delray, yeah, you're, please you're... call me. I... <laughs> Please call me. This all sounds like tropes that I love working with. Please, please. Yes. Just send me an email. Soul. Tortured millennial former gifted kid homosexuals. Please send us, send us an email to goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. Or you can find us on any of our socials. Yeah. So, and then of course, like Palpatine gives Ferris a Sith holocron too, because that's going to help matters. So then he's got the fucking like one ring, like, like that's the effect that it's having on him. Like he's like burning, like it's in, like he keeps it in like his chest pocket. It must be a really tiny holocron, but like, it's like burning him all the time and stuff and just like whispering to him. And like, he's, these are, he's, these are junior novels, by the way, these are novels for like children. This is the thing that you like picked up when you were nine years old because right. it had Star Wars on the cover. Like, don't let this plot description for you so so graphically violent like every single one of these series is like extremely Fuckers, graphic and yeah. it's violent yeah like kids just die kids just die in these books like all the time yeah kids well die like because it's tortured because it's not patronizing to children right yeah. and this is one of the excellent things when star wars writing for kids is at its peak it doesn't talk down to them like yeah there's some stuff you maybe don't want to put in a book for kids but kids are not dumb like they know what's going on and a lot of like really good star wars understands that it's for kids but it also understands kids can handle things that adults don't think they can and so it it makes for these really memorable moments and it lets them go to some places that are really incredible and it stick with you for a really long time yeah no and and with that it also like it does because these characters see these horrible things like it i think it is really important within these kids books like to have these characters processing grief and stuff like mm -hmm. and like you know like ferris very much has like he's having like ptsd symptoms after he watches rowan die like he's having like he can't get it out of 
out of his mind of like the way that like Rowan's body like buckled in on itself after Vader stabbed him through the chest. Like it's you know it's it's stuff that like his rough. very platonic friend that his he very platonic on. Friend. <laughs> like what's so what so like this is this is a bit of a digression, but like I I really I really wonder to what level if because like Jude Watson saying that like it was her intention that they were married. And the vast majority of the time you see that, but there's key moments where it's like either she was censored or she knew that she was flying too close to the sun and censored herself. Because when Rowan is dying, Ferris calls him his brother. And that is the only time in the series that that is ever like said the rest of the time it's partner or friend. And I'm just like, what happened here? Like that feels like a censor. Yeah. Yeah. That feels like a, that feels like a some editor yeah. didn't realize what she was doing and they were trying to make an Obi-Wan and Anakin comparison. I see you're 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 I I would think it would be more you, it's 2008 and we can't put this in a scholastic chapter book than that but yeah. yeah I'm I'm very these are these are the if if I ever had a chance to um be at Legends Con or something else had a chance to interview Jude Watson we'd need two interviews one that is like for her writing in general and then one where it's just like all right we're gonna sit down and you're going to and like please please tell me spill how all, yeah like spill like your NDAs are probably up now because it's been over 20 years so please just spill it'll be um, like that that one panel there was one panel at the convention uh where the moderate panel moderator i was in this panel i was lucky enough to be in this panel the yeah. panel moderator was like we're gonna turn the camera off we're gonna stop recording this panel spill spill the tea <laughs> can can i just say that like characters in books that people ship calling someone a brother will not stop me from shipping them like like it just it just won't it won't ever and like part of that is like i have friends who i'm really really close with who i will who i've said like you're like a brother to me i love you like you're my family but then we've also gotten drunk and made out i've never done that with my actual brother because that would be weird and that gross. would be weird and, and uh we also like don't get along but like me saying to someone who i love like you're like family to me that's not gonna stop me from making out with you one two like, whenever I'm like, Bays and Short are so clearly a married couple. Like, Bays and Short are so married. They're the most married. Same thing here. Yeah. They're the most married on-screen couple in live-action Star Wars. And, like, when I've talked about that, people have been like, oh, in the Rogue One novelization, Bays says that Short is like a brother to him. And I'm like, shut the fuck up, one. Like, the only movie novelization I want to talk about is Revenge of the Sith. Uh, but also, like... Like, fuck you. That doesn't mean anything. Like, moving on. I will also yeah. talk about Alan Dean Foster's very interesting novelization of uh, A New Hope. But that is a that's a separate episode yeah. for another that's block of episode. legends. Yeah. Yes. As, as we're moving, I presume, toward the end of the series, yeah. uh, Ferris is in not a good place uh trying yeah. to get away from vader and not, not a good Emperor. place yeah he is he's having one of those good old, old millennial breakdowns mostly because you know his husband was murdered in front of him but also because like he's losing like he's rapidly losing control of the situation of him being a double agent and he's been made an inquisitor and he's not getting along with the other inquisitors and he is sent to one of his missions is that he's supposed to be 
looking into potential force sensitives, including this report of this toddler girl on Alderaan, which we all know where that's going. We know um, where that's going. We know where that's going. Um, so this is how he gets involved with Bale and, you know, protects Leia from being discovered. Long story short, then the, the, the series ends with like every absolutely everything goes to shit then after that because we can't like what he has he has been able to find three other Jedi that he has been like we, we basically have the path going on here of like at least and we remember past. what happened in Jedi Survivor to the path so yeah like it's so it literally like kaboom so yeah including including with the path we have a like we we have three jedi and then we have one kid who is not corn horn but there's like there's one kid who is like part of this who is just it's just it's everything i keep forgetting corn horn is canon now I keep pre- you can bring you can bring in Cornhorn, but Delray can't hire me to write a Ferris Olin book. My God, yeah. It, so so yeah, there's this kid Loon who is the son of one of the characters from the Jedi Apprentice books. Actually, it's Astri's kid. If you remember her, she's the the one who like ran off with Obi Wan briefly. She pretended to be a bounty hunter, shaved her head, fun stuff. I don't know. <laughs> You're not. I'm getting blank stares. No, it's been it's been a minute. Well, but also it's just that this is the she she the way that you and Xanatos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I got you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am. I am. I am aware that Bradley is going to have to edit the this episode, so I'm like trying to keep us on the Ferris Alone yeah. track because that is how we're exploring yes. this this element of the EU. However. Oh, yeah, you've been keeping us on path, uh-huh. Keeping it on track? It's yeah. like one of those minecart rides. It's like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Like, yeah, technically we're staying on the minecart, but like it's wobbling back and forth and I'm not keeping real good control of it. We're just on a big Bradley. gay adventure. Yeah, we're on a big gay adventure through the works of Jude Watson. Everybody's gay. Everybody's Everybody. gay. Everybody. Including the reader. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> you, the reader, are also gay. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so yes, like the this this series ends with like everybody's fucking dead, except for Loon, the, the force sensitive kid, and his mom and like a couple other people. But Ferris is like he meant he he defeated the dark side he he takes the sith holocron and he blows it up and like that gives him some peace but like there is a physical scar from like where it was like sitting on his chest like as he was like in his inquisitor robes and stuff and so like he needs needs a break and like clearly this like restart the jedi thing isn't working so his where he ends up the last pages of the book is that he's on Alderaan and he is staying a little ways away from the palace in the grasslands. And his role is to watch over Leia the way that Obi-Wan is watching over Luke. And this is also why, like, with the Obi-Wan show, I was just screaming at the part where, like, Leia gets kidnapped because, like, she is exactly the way we're going to, like, this is going to be how we transition into Rebel Force. But, but like, cause there's some flashbacks to there of that. But, like, it's, this is... 
Leia needs somebody watching her probably more than Luke needs somebody watching him because Leia is more likely to go cause trouble both because she does not live in the middle of bumfuck nowhere and because she's Leia. One um, of these people is like a Kansas farmer and the other one is like yeah. a senator's daughter. So one of these yeah. people is going to be way more noticeable than the other one. Yeah. Saying, yeah. Yoda, why did you think this was a good idea? Yoda. We'll, we'll 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 get into this because this will well, we should we should transition to Rebel Force because like uh, I was Andy, saying, Andy, uh, do you have any particular thoughts on the Last of the Jedi before we we transition over to Rebel Force? No, just that like I loved the ending. Like I just thought it was like really really appropriate to have this mirror to Obi Wan's exile, including like the. There's there's a lot of mirrors between like Obi Wan and Qui Gon losing their loved ones romantically and Furious losing his and then the like dark mirror that is Anakin's. So having Furious then kind of go and become the Obi Wan to Leia one makes sense because like how did no one before this come like think that through and then two like Furious is just such a great pick for it. And I there's one other part that like talking about like how you love the ending of it. Like I'd forgotten about this somehow um until I was rereading it. Like right before the chapter of like describing his life on Alderaan, Ferris shows up at Obi-Wan's door and is just like utterly defeated, still injured from his last fight with Vader. And Obi-Wan like takes him in and takes care of him. And like it doesn't even like Ferris doesn't even say anything about like how depressed he is. Obi-Wan just says, You made the F like it Obi-Wan has like brought him food and he's not eating it and Obi-Wan says like you came you came all the way here to my door that means you want to live and it's just like that that really like got to me mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah it's it is such a good like Jude Watson is so good at hurt comfort um <laughs> yeah. mostly the hurt part she loves to hurt her characters but then she makes sure that there's some sort of like resolution to it as well you might my last little impression of Last of the Jedi, which I, I want to make 100% sure I get on the record, if yeah. if listeners of this podcast remember the way that I took a fucking hatchet to Timothy Zahn for the writing of Obi-Wan Kenobi in Outbound Flight and how incorrect it was on every single level, you will be delighted to know that mere pages into the first Last of the Jedi book, I was like, finally an author that gets it. There, there he is. There is my boy. That She nailed it. Reading Obi-Wan in these books, perfection she she's so good at obi-wan kenobi that's i have to get that on the record let's let's blow through rebel force because it is past my bedtime yes i'm so sorry yes okay spoilers for rebel force. big big yeah. big spoilers for rebel force we're not going to talk about all of rebel force here because yeah. we are quickly coming up on i am gonna get yelled at for this episode link territory <laughs> however there is a thing when we're talking about the life story of ferris olin that we just have to mention so big spoilers big big i cannot stress this enough if you want to dive into this particular corner of the eu go do that and then come back spoilers let's move on to very briefly Rebel Force, or yes. as I like to call it, gay people don't have to follow Force Ghost rules. Yes, yes. Um, well, yeah, so just like, yes, I, I will briefly go through like how we get to this position of so Rebel Force takes place right after A New Hope, Alderaan blew up. Um, and of course, Leia has been being like she's been watched over by Ferris her whole life. She knows him as Fess. She is strangely fat phobic towards him, which I don't really understand why that's a thing. It always makes me very uncomfortable reading through that. But 
she never knew that he was a Jedi, but, and so she's kind of pissed off when she finds him alive because, like, her father and mother are dead and, like, all of Alderaan is gone. And, but there's this guy that she never really liked. She just, like, always kind of thought he was just sort of, like, just some kind of floozy, basically, hanging out, like, around the Imperial, like, around the, the Royal Palace. And, like, she never really saw what her, what Bail, like, she never really understood what Bail saw in this guy, but, like, clearly held, like, Bail really held him in high regard and she doesn't really get it because she just doesn't see and clearly like this is all just this is the face that ferris has put on so that like you know he's unassuming and like people do just think that he's kind of some floozy who's just hanging around the palace but there's these flashbacks where of like ferris protecting leia as she's growing up as like she's run out of the palace as a kid being stupid hmm. and like fights off these three thugs that are gonna kidnap her because some other senator wants to like have like some control over bail and like or like this other time i think i don't remember if it was some other time where it was the same time that like she like also just like bailed out on the palace and was like climbing something and she slipped and fell and like ferris like had to use the force to catch her all this stuff so like it's like he what is hilarious to me is that everything that ferris hated about anakin he finds endearing in Leia. Like, all of, like, Leia's nonsense. He's like, she's such a perfect little angel child. So good. Which which and is, like, in fairness, what gay people think about young Leia Organa in yes. the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. We all do love yes. her. Presumably, she does figure this out after the fact. Yes. And it yes. does not end well for anyone. No. So, so we have, we have, so now Obi-Wan is dead because it's after, you know, A New Hope. Um, spoilers. Um, <laughs> and so we have Ferris arguing with Obi-Wan's force ghost because he's like, all right, you're training Luke. I didn't know this was part of the plan. Why aren't we training Leia? I should be training Leia. I should be training both of them. Like, why aren't we training Leia? And Obi-Wan's just like, oh, it's not part of the plan. And Ferris is like, fuck the plan. Um, like, Leia's so much, like, she's a better candidate. Like, uh, yeah, um, this whole thing. But yes, what, what you are dragging me towards, kicking and screaming, is that Ferris sacrifices himself. There's Vader is coming up on the trio, the original trilogy trio. And, and Ferris sacrifices himself so that they can escape. And what Charles is alluding to of gay people don't have to follow the rules of the force is I, I pulled it up here. So I'm just going to like very quickly try to read through some of it. Um, so basically, uh, Vader has stabbed the crap out of Ferris because it's Vader. You can only pick a fight and scuttle away from him so many times. First, he sees a force ghost of Obi-Wan. Then Obi-Wan fades away and... It says, and then Obi-Wan faded away and another figure appeared in his place. Ferris gasped, choking on the blood that bubbled in his throat. His lips formed a name he hadn't spoken aloud in years. Soft fingers brushed his forehead. Did you really think I would leave you here alone? You left me for all those years, Ferris wanted to say. I always hoped you were waiting for me. I always hoped I would see you again. Rowan Lands, dead for nearly two decades, gazed down at him, his eyes full of warmth and humor. Rowan, who had found Ferris after he'd fled the Jedi Temple and taught him what it meant to truly live. Rowan, who had been Ferris's partner and friend for the best years of his life. Rowan, whom he had thought he'd lost forever. Ferris's fear was gone, replaced by a deep, calming peace. He had done what he could for the people he loved. He fulfilled the mission Obi-Wan had set out for him, protected Anakin's child until she was strong enough to protect herself. He'd fought as best he knew how for as long as he could. And now Rowan was here and Ferris was ready to go. 
I'll stay with you, Rowan said, squeezing his hand, for as long as you need me. Ferris felt his eyes drift shut, his world narrowed to the sound of Rowan's voice and the warmth of Rowan's hand. You are not alone, he heard Rowan say. Totally platonic! Totally platonic! Rowan's not more sensitive! Like, how is this happening? But yeah, this is also, this is why I'm like, okay, so if this wasn't Judy Blundell who wrote this, who did and did he have her like did this person have her number like clearly the, whoever wrote this is aware that this was a romantic relationship like that's gay <laughs> i think that the council of gay people in this call has determined that this is gay yes something that i've screamed about on twitter and this is kind of my closing thoughts on jude watson and fira Lynn, is that like yes we'll, we'll in, do final thoughts in the 2020s we have had a run of Star Wars Pride comics without a single gay man on the cover. That has happened in the 2020s. We have had, like, so many on-screen couples where they do not confirm if they're a couple or not. I'm looking at the pig man and the bird man from Resistance. Flicks and Orc. Callus and Zeb. I don't know their names and I'm never going to learn their names. They're the pig man and the bird man because they're not gay. We, we got Callus and Zeb. We got the lesbians in Andor don't actually do anything romantic and they're never called a couple. It, it, it's clearly intended to be read that way. The actors are definitely into it, but like on screen, it never says like, you're my girlfriend. On screen, they never hold hands. They never kiss. They never say they love each other. Okay. okay. They do actually explicitly confirm that they love each other. They, they say they love each romantic. other, but it they is. They are the only, one of the only couples I, I in the show that's... that don't kiss though. I don't think that's necessarily romantic. Like I said, I tell my friends I love them all the time. So like, and I also make out with my friends. If I can make out with my friends, they can make out with each other. Anyway, I, I still don't feel like it was enough. I don't think them saying, I like, I care about you or whatever is, is enough. Like, we were getting really amazing representation in like 2005 in young reader books with a gay man on the cover. And like, that would be so controversial now. Like, hate YouTubers would be losing their goddamn minds if these books were coming out now. And Jude Watson was doing that shit in 2005 when it actually was subversive to do that. Nowadays, I don't think it's like subversive to have actual on-screen queer rep, but for some reason, Star Wars and Disney are too chicken shit to do it. I don't think it's subversive to have a gay man on a cover of a Pride, uh, specifically a Pride comic issue, but they didn't have any gay men characters in the comics to put on them. So they just had to use Lando, who's not actually confirmed pansexual in anything, and a ton of queer women, which like, don't get me wrong. I love For, for context... For like, context, you... this was pre-Alyssa Wong Afra. Yes. I'm pretty like... sure this was pre-Alyssa Wong Afra because there have been variant covers, but those characters had not been created yet by sure. Alyssa Wong, who fixed all of Star Wars comics forever. <laughs> So like I don't get me wrong, I love Afra and I love all of Afra's love interests. I love Sanastaros. Uh, I love the cool cyborg imperial chick. I like there's tons of great queer women characters, but the fact that like it's too scary to put a gay man on a cover in 2020 for like a fucking pride issue. Like what the fuck, Star Wars? So Jude Watson is the patron saint of space gays. Like Fierce Lynn is so important to me. I think 
he is phenomenal representation, especially given the time period. I think it was as on the page as it could be. And I don't think that there's any other way to read it. So in my mind, that is confirmed. Where if you squint, you can read the Andrew lesbians as just really good friends, which like, I don't think that's how you should read it, can read it that way. Where uh, I think Jude was very intentional in making it that there is no other way to read this relationship. Catherine, do you do you have any final thoughts before I do mine? Yeah, I mean, definitely what Andy was saying. And it's like, and it's especially if you, read her other stuff there's no other way to read it because Mm -hmm. like the the example that i gave of like obi-wan you know talking to ferris above planet like that's just one example of it like there's there's more in there um it's yeah it really i and this is this is why i really i really i just i really want to see ferris re-enter canon because i think that there is i think that there is it wouldn't i wouldn't want it to be an exact like rehash of the story for multiple reasons one i don't think that rowan needs to die by vader i think that like there i think the interesting story for ferris in current canon would be something involving the path and something involving him watching over leia and i think it would be more fun if rowan was there with him um on alderaan give leia two gay uncles oh my god yeah give what i mean do you think that the sass came from like where 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 else did that level of sass like her to walk up to tarkin and say hmm, i should have assumed to find you here holding later vader's leash like clearly she's been to a pride parade she's seen a man on a leash before <laughs> Christ. And Andy, you've you've probably experienced this with Pride Parades with the costume clubs of how much the leather people are into Vader and wanting Mm -hmm. Vader to choke them. Yeah. Um (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Anyways. Oh, oh, I I I remember that Revenge of the Sith poster, Who's Your Daddy? That was official merch. That was official marketing. Yeah. That was official Um, marketing. But yeah, I just it really these these books and I I really I really hope that more people will read these and like celebrate them. And I hope that like it'd be I hadn't even thought about it until now, but it'd be fucking amazing if they put Ferris on one of like the pride covers like some year. That'd be super cool, whether or not he is reintroduced into canon or anything like that. Um, And it'd be great to get an official depiction of Rowan because we don't have one. We just have a lot, like a fairly decent like physical depiction, like description of him, but we don't actually have any like images. Um, Which also just like shout out to, uh, I don't know how to say this man's first name, um, Toshio, I think, Nagano. He does the Japanese covers for like tons of Star Wars books and the, the Jedi and last of the jedi books like those are just really quality like of ferris so yeah those are those are beautiful but yeah i just i i think that the fandom just kind of forgot about these books and it's too bad i think especially among especially among people who if you haven't read these and you're if you are a fan of characters either because you are queer yourself or just you know you are supportive um or if you're a fan of rebels you're a fan of the obi-wan show you're a fan of andor definitely like don't sleep on these books like just because they're chapter books you know you got them at this classic book fair like there's a really quality story here and it's something that even if you're not familiar with the rest of legends as a whole like there's enough touchstones of like things that were developed here that have made their way into the stories that are being told right now i guess i don't know it's kind of part of it is like and i don't think that it was intentional but like there really is something of like how closely this series parallel like rebels parallels the series and ahsoka with like 
leaving the order, I, I remember a lot of people being like, oh, wow, this is similar to Fearus. And like, it, it's, yeah. it's interesting. It's interesting that like the two characters that we see leave the order are both queer. And are both because of Anakin sucking. And yeah, both because of Anna. I mean, it's I I do I give a lot of credit to Jude Watson for eating her special OC out of the order to save them um, without a dose of Islamophobia, um, and instead just being like Anakin sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I just I I really hope that this character, the people, more people know who he is and read his stuff, and I hope that like he can live on happily ever after with his husband in the new era of star wars ha 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 no i know that like i know that the end still has to be tragic but like i would sell my left kidney for like some sort of tie-in to like i think in particular the obi-wan show like because it's it's just it's all right there like the path mm-hmm. and leia, leia being leia, leia being a runner but like <laughs> and needing somebody to prevent that like please please give us the story of leia's gay uncles thank you uh, I, I my final thought is you know, I, I kind of want to piggyback off what Andy said. I think that the strides that Star Wars has been making, in, in particular, there's some issues with it. Like the books and comics are doing it so much better than the animated. It, it's not a high bar, but it's particularly Alyssa Wong, they're doing the best they can with the representation. But we compared to what it's been, we are living in one of the eras of Star Wars that has the most queer characters in it and it's not a high bar but if you look at something like the dr afra comics being the biggest one but then all of the queer characters in the high republic cinder rath velis in uh the aftermath the e. books, books the uk johnson books mm-hmm. include just a fuck ton of them mm-hmm. like looking at where we are now it's it's important to celebrate how far we've come and it's important to celebrate what we have currently and also while pushing to keep that ball rolling that live action needs to get way fucking better about this movies i'm watching you 30 sec less than 30 seconds in one movie does not count but i also think it's important for people who are looking at something like the high republic or dr afra both things i really enjoy it's important for people to also kind of look at how these characters were handled in an era where del rey and marvel were not gonna let you get away with this the the publishers at the time were not gonna let this slide to the degree that you have one of the recent issues of Dr. Afra with four different queer couples kissing in it, that would not have been something you would have been able to get away with. So it's important if you want to be somebody who's knowledgeable about your history to go back and look at this through that lens to say something like 2005 to 2008, looking at what Jude Watson was able to do in this, because I think it's really fascinating. And I also, I I said this at the end of the Legends Con panel, I said this in my episode with Ryan, and I'm going to say it again because it's one of the things that I think bears the most repeating is that just because the characters in this story, these stories aren't explicitly allowed to kiss on the page and that they're not explicitly allowed to say that they are gay on the page, it does not make the stories any less valuable. And just because Legends didn't have the same volume of queer characters doesn't mean those stories are going to be less impactful for you as a queer person. I do want to push back for just a second and say I do think repeatedly calling him partner is explicit on the page gay rep. Like, I do. 
like like they don't say the word gay they don't kiss it's as explicit sure, as you can get sure, at the sure, time sure. Is my like, point. like yeah i just like chris claremont in the 70s when he was writing x-men wanted mystique and destiny to be uh, lesbian lovers and they wouldn't marvel wouldn't let him uh mystique was supposed to be nightcrawler's dad actually and destiny was supposed to be nightcrawler's mom and marvel was like yeah marvel was like no you can't do that you can't have this woman shapeshift herself a penis to impregnate her lesbian wife to create kurt wagner and so he x-men rules he used the term lamont which is french for lover and it got past editorial so you would have mystique and destiny refer to each other as lovers in french and it go over marvel's head and that's how he was able to do it and i still think think that's canon queer rep they weren't allowed to say it after that until i think like 2013 and like chris claremont was long off the book after that uh he wrote from 75 to 91 but like i do think that sort of subversive queer rep even if you can't use maybe the most natural wording i do still think partner is canonical they are gay they are married it might not be as explicit as we could have gotten it today and i'm still kind of side-eyeing star wars and saying like it could be better but like i i still think we have to say that this counts is all i'm just gonna push back for a second and say that and 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 building off of that too like it's like yeah they don't kiss on the page but there's the like repeatedly it's brought up how they have this like special thing where they grab each other's like arm which um, yeah that i mentioned yeah, like mm-hmm. it's it's such a like strange little thing that keeps coming up that it's like okay, this is clearly this is something you know like it's yeah they're not kissing but it's like this is their private gesture or whatever and it's like of okay, affection okay. that's adorable yeah yeah well I, <laughs> I I say that I phrase that the way I do because I'm a- anticipating mm-hmm. that's a thing that gets brought up sometimes sure is that yeah. if if the characters aren't explicitly on the page confirmed as gay then it quote unquote it right. doesn't count and my argument is basically that it's important to see this era of star wars how close jude watson was able to get without explicitly coming up and saying these two are gay the word gay and they are kissing on the mouth and that is very obvious if you read it that's what's going on here that that's the criticism i bring against the lesbians in andor is like it's not explicit enough it's still subtext and no, Tony, um, we're watching you very I'm, carefully. I'm I'm holding Andor to a different standard than I am this because this was written in like goddamn 2005 and where marriage equality was eight years ago. I think Andor could have these lesbians explicit. Uh, I mean, like Star Trek is doing queer rep so much better than Star Wars is and has for years now. Like we've had on-screen queer Star Trek characters for for ages now and Star Wars still won't do it. So I love the gay couple in Discovery. I'm not thinking of their names right now, but the, the mycologists. Oh, Stamets, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're so good. Yeah. They're so good. Yeah, but that's that's sort of my my general plea yes. regarding legends and also regarding Ferris. I, I think we're kind of making the same point different ways. Yeah, yeah exactly. My, my point is if if you're somebody who's listening to this and because I know we have a, a demographic of people that were too way too uh that missed these books, that were either yeah. too young or too old when the books came out. And this sounds something like something that's interesting to you, don't be put off by the fact that the representation had to take a different form in mm-hmm. 2008 that they couldn't sit there and explicitly like use the words gay and have them kiss yeah. and the things they, that we come to fuck expect under that 
waterfall. They couldn't fuck under we, that we, waterfall. We, we know they did. But they just know, yeah. yeah. That, yeah, I think we're kind of making the same point. Yeah, different we, ways we are that, exactly making the same point. That this, yeah. this is something that is worth paying attention to. And if you're somebody that wants to look at queer representation through the ages, something that's definitely worth checking out, I think. Well, thank you both for coming on. I know we're, I'm definitely getting yelled at about the length of this episode. <laughs> Very quickly, pluggables. Andy, do you want to plug uh, what you do? Uh, you can follow me anywhere at One Hat Town. I yell a lot about gay X-Men stuff. I also yell a lot about gay Star Wars stuff. I don't know. I'm on podcasts. They're all on hiatus right now. They're all gay. Listen to them. You'll find the links in the shit I, I, on social media. So just follow One Hat Town. Catherine, do you want to plug yeah. some things you do? Yeah. Um. So I don't spend a lot of time on my own social media because I'm so busy in so many organizations that like running their social media that I don't use my own very much. But if you do want to follow me and if you do want to like reach out and yell about Ferris Olin or any other Jude Watson characters, I will definitely be down for that. I'm at Martian underscore Mara. Um, either Twitter or Instagram has the underscore and then the other one doesn't have the underscore, but Martian Mara and... Yeah, then also follow LegendsCon because it's a cool thing that, like... That would be at Legends underscore Con on Twitter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Instagram, and we're at Legends Consortium on Tumblr and Facebook. Yeah, we've, we've been kind of like hiatus of the, the, the three weeks. We've all just been kind of like recovering, but we are going to start posting lots of things there soon um, as the photos all get edited and the videos of panels. And yeah, definitely, definitely follow those. And yes, we'll be on the lookout for the panel that Charles and I did going through all the queer characters um, in Legends. And that, yeah. that concludes my formal apology to Catherine uh, for limiting her to about 15 minutes on Ferris at that panel so we could get through all of them. Uh, I am sorry about that. You can find me at all of the socials that Bradley is going to play now. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? Send us a message at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gold Squadron Gaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post the podcast as well as exclusive content. Please join us next week and every week for more of Gold Squadron Gaze. And that is the end. <laughs> Bradley, you can just split this in two and just put the same endings on, on both. It's fine. I, I'm so sorry, Bradley. Sorry. I have a lot. I, I have a lot of feelings. I'm not sorry. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>